Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life After the Military, a show completely focused on strengthening the mental fitness of veterans and their families, helping them transition from military to civilian life, and helping them overcome adversity. Our show is powered by Pivotal Moments. Go check them out at pivotalmoments.org to learn more. My name is Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Howie Cohen. We are privileged to have United States Navy SEAL veteran and current senior security analyst for Dominion Energy, Mark Green, with us today. Mark served a little over 20 years in the United States Navy as a SEAL before joining Dominion Energy in 2021. When Mark transitioned from the Navy in 2016, he worked for the University of Southern California as the Director of Development for Veterans Programs, and then as the Manager of Military and Veteran Services for three and a half years. Mark started his own business in 2020, then took his current position with Dominion Energy in 2021. Mark is a graduate of Basic Underwater Demolition, SEAL Class 212, Officer Candidate School, where he earned his commission as a Naval Officer, and holds an undergraduate degree from Excelsior College and advanced degrees from the Naval Postgraduate School and the University of Southern California. Mark, it's a privilege to have you here today. Welcome to Life After the Military. Thanks, Lee. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're awesome. doing great, man. Awesome. Yeah. Always excited to have a SEAL on. Uh, that's going to drive us right to our first question, Mark. You had a little over 20 years of military service as a as United States Navy SEAL. Uh, share with us how that uh, experience impacted you, shaped you. Uh, obviously, any stories you're comfortable sharing. Uh, we just always love to ask this question first to give the audience a little bit of an idea of your service. Well, um, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go back to kind of the origins of the initial, um, I guess, fire that was lit that made me want to be a SEAL. So I uh, went to Miami of Ohio, um, where I played football. Um, so, so I transferred to Kent State, and then I suffered, um, I was a quarterback, so I suffered a really horrific injury to my shoulder. All of a sudden, my um, my football career of being Randall Cunningham uh, was ended suddenly. And my friend, uh, Jeff Turner, um, he was coming up on his senior year, and he's like, Mark, we got to go. Uh, we got to go be Navy SEALs. I was like, "What the hell is that?" You know, there was no YouTube. There's no Class Two Thirty Four. There's no nothing. It was just the blind leading the blind. Um, and, but there was this one awful video that uh, I, I mean, I still play it in my head right now. But Jeff was playing the video, and I just remember that that's what, not what I wanted, just what I had to do. Because like my mom was always like son, you're going to be something special one day. And here I was kind of floundering, not really knowing what I want to do since my football career was over 19, 20 years old, no plan whatsoever. And, you know, this opportunity came up and Jeff was like, dude, the only way you don't make it is if you don't quit. And I was like, okay. Which was, you know, as you know, you've talked to SEALs before, that's the biggest misnomer of all time because there's 180 days of not quitting, you know? Um, so. I, uh, I transferred back to Miami of Ohio and I just, it just wasn't, I wasn't a college student at the time. Um, so I promptly flunked out of college, um, in 94, 95, and I'm working at Blockbuster Video. You know, I got my, uh, khakis on and my blue shirt that says Mark on it. And I'm, uh, just floundering, excelling in mediocrity is what I call it. And um, a whole high school buddy of mine walked in and we, we kind of lock eyes. And he's like, what in the world are you doing here? He's like, you were supposed to do all these great things. And now you're handing me my video that says, be kind, don't rewind. And um, I was like, you know what? 
That's the, that's a great question. So I quit the next day and I joined the Navy. Wow. And um, <laughs> so uh, that was, I think, July 1st or something like that. It was, it was early July. And I showed up at boot camp July 19th. Wow. And um, they're, they're uh, giving us these Navy uniforms. There was no research. They just showed up and, and um, they gave me these dungarees, which are nasty blue jeans and even a nastier shirt. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need the Navy SEAL uniform. And he looks at me, he's like, you talking about nobody makes it through that get out of here and, you, and and then he said you probably can't even swim anyway and i was like what is that guy's name took the guy's name down his name is chief Rotes. um so uh, we go through boot camp and we take this the first um pt exam and i could run i could swim i could do push-ups all day but no kidding i could not do a pull-up so um but i my mentality, I need that failure initially to just to kind of see where I am. So, um, and I knew I wouldn't work it hard enough. Right. So that's a kick in the butt. It's like, okay, um, you're not even close to where you need to be. And you only have a couple of weeks left. So every night over the bathroom stalls, um, I put a towel up because they were kind of sharp and I would do pull-ups all night. I went from zero and then a couple of buddies were helping me up. And then finally, um, the test was coming up and I think you had to do eight. Right. And I was, I could do, I could do nine, but it was ugly. It was an ugly nine. Right. Um, so we're going through the test and pushups. I was like, good sit-ups, good. And then the moment of truth comes up at the pull-ups on first five, I'm like, got it. Six. I was like, okay, seven. And then eight came up and I'm struggling. Right. And the bar is like right at my nose. And for some reason, somebody called the instructor's name for just a second. And I put my chin over the bar. I pulled myself up and I got my eighth pull up. Right. And he looks back at me. He's like, wait a second. He's like, okay, hop, hop on down. I passed the test. And uh, he's like, I know what just happened. And for you, I remember the first time you took the test, how much you sucked at pull ups. So I know you have been working hard. Right. So all you have to do is promise me that you're going to work on your pull-ups and then you're good to go. And I, I was like, Hey, you know, I was so appreciative of the opportunity and the, uh, the successful cheating that I did. So, um, so I got my orders. I went to, to a school and I was a mineman, which you're on a minesweeper. The things are tiny they're made out of wood. So I'm going on my first tour and I bump my head because it's I'm, I'm like six three, six two, and I bump my head on everything. And then they show us that where we're gonna sleep. And I climb in that thing. I was like, all right, there's there's absolutely no way that I was going to squander the opportunity to come and sit on a wooden boat in a place that I couldn't even sleep. So um, uh, so then January comes up, uh, and I show up at Buds completely out of my element, overwhelmed. And they put you in this thing called the pit, right? So it's right outside of medical. So all you see coming out each day are just the horrific injuries that come through that place. And you never see a buds class. So um, I'm just like, this is the most savage thing I'm getting ready to get into. And I'm freezing. I'm in my blues. And 
but once I got there, I knew that um, I was like, I'm, now I'm committed because I'm here, right? So that's what really kind of started my journey um, uh, towards being a SEAL. So we had uh, 166 guys start our class and 18 of us graduated. No and wow. that's what it was. And, you know, you're never, you're never really prepared for that level of intensity for that long because you, you're not going to push yourself through that. Um, but there was this instructor named Corey Knowles um, who was just, you know, Corey was always angry about something and he's raging about something. And I was really having trouble swimming. So in the middle, in the middle of his rage, I was like, Hey instructor, I suck at swimming right now. Um, can I, I need to come in on Saturday and swim. He went from in rage and he's like, Oh yeah, man, come on in uh, Saturday at eight. Sound good. And I, was like, I, was like, I was like, what's going on? So I was like, yeah. So for every Saturday I would go in and he would teach me how to swim. Wow. And, you know, from that moment, it really kind of set the standard. It's like, hey, this kid's going to show up unprepared. He knows he's unprepared, but he's going to come up and get the help he needs. And that was my, uh, really, that was my whole military career. Like, there's a lot of pride involved, but at the end of the day, you're, that's not something you're going to be able to do on your own. So, um, so that set the standards. Like, these guys, as mean as they are, their job as instructors is to get you through the course. And, you know, they're, they're a scary group of guys, but at the end of the day, I needed help. I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. So like the, the enraged guy, guess what? You get to help teach me how to swim. And he was happy to do it, you know, and uh, I'm friends with Corey to this day. And um, there's so many different stories of people that helped um, get me through buds and my journey through, um, throughout the SEAL team. That's you know, Mark, it, 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 that that is a, really a fascinating um, collection of stories, to be honest with you. And there's so many lessons uh, to pull out of what you just shared with us. Um, one, one, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I have respect respect for you. Before you know, we started this episode, we had a chance to meet a couple times on on a, on a couple coordination calls. But the fact that you went into into the Navy and specifically to be a SEAL with absolutely no preparation is almost astounding to me, um, because I remember when when I decided that I wanted, uh, you know, I was in ROTC and then and then I was in the in the military and I decided I want to be in a, a, a Ranger battalion. And that meant I had to go qualify and be uh, Ranger qualified. I mean, I did research about what I had, you know, what was going on. In fact, I lived with a guy who was actually a ranger instructor for several months before I went there. So, I mean, I I had I prepared myself mentally and physically, and it was still a tremendous challenge for me to go through. So, for you to go to to go through buds and hell week with no physical and mental preparation is absolutely astounding to me and just tells me the quality of character and drive and dedication and willingness to overcome adversity that you have and just speaks to me uh, at, to you as a person. So I respect you even more for that. Um, and and, and I, I would share with our audience that um, um, this is exactly the message. One of the messages we we continually bring out in this podcast is 
that so many of you have overcome, maybe not the exact same level of challenges and adversity that Mark has, but I guarantee you, you've overcome adversity and challenges constantly throughout your career, whether it was a four-year career or a 24-year career or a 34-year career. And, and as you transition from the military to life after the military, um, you can take, I think, uh, a tremendous amount of confidence in yourself to continue to succeed and overcome whatever challenge you face because the military has prepared you to do that and you've been successful at it. Um, another thing that I think is really important here that you mentioned is that regardless of how skilled or talented or strong or whatever you are, you know, um, to really be successful in anything you do, it, it takes a bit of a team, right? And it's mm -hmm. not just one person on their own. And the fact that you had the humility and the and and the and and the the willingness to reach out and seek help helps the wrong word, advice, guidance, mentoring, coaching, whatever you want to call it, and to knowing that you had some areas that you had to get better in, and you sought you know assistance to make those let's call them weaknesses into into strengths or at least you know meet the standard. Um, I think is a very important lesson learned. And, and that's why we're here is to help folks who are transitioning to be a resource for you or to give you access to other resources to help you be successful. Um, and so I think those are incredible um, lessons that you're sharing with our audience, Mark. And I, I really applaud you for that. Well, thanks. And the, the, the most memorable bit of advice or guidance that I got was, um, after hell week, right? So you suffer through 120 hours of hell week, your body's a mess. So I thought that I was going to show up, open up my shirt. There's going to be this S on my chest. I'm going to start flying all over the place. Right. I was going to be Superman or some superhero, but I didn't feel any different. So I go up to my proctor and I was like, Hey instructor, I was like, I'm having a problem. He's like, what's up green. And I was like, I don't feel any different. You know, I went through all this stuff and I, I don't feel any different. He's like, well, yeah, you're not going to. And I was like, well, why not? He's like, you've been a SEAL your whole life, right? Whatever happened, whatever shaped you in your past made you a SEAL. All buzz is, is, is getting the guys, getting rid of the guys who aren't SEALs. So you're not going to feel any different because this is who you are. This is who, you are. This is who you've always been. And um, I was like, damn, it's that easy. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, it's that easy. And when you break it down, yeah, it is. You, I made the decision. Um, I, I hit the genetic lottery. So, I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, six to 220 pounds, um, and could run. I mean, I could do it all my body held up, but I mean, that one statement really just kind of drove everything. So when you, when you did my introduction, you know, I failed out of college and, uh, and I was like, oh, all right, now I got to finish college. So I finished undergrad. And then I was like, well, maybe postgraduate school doesn't sound too bad. And uh, the, the lady who gave us our jobs, like, oh, Mark, you're going to go. I'm going to send you to get your MBA. You have a, a lot of kids and, and you did a good job once you're all done with this. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not terrible at math. She's like, no, you're, you'll be fine. So she signs me up to get my MBA. So I'm learning. Um, the business world at the graduate level with no, no background, I had a criminology background, but I made the commitment and I showed up. So I had to finish once they showed up. And then I was at USC and I was like, 
well, you're at a university, you might as well, you know, make the most of it. And uh, I have two advanced degrees after flunking out of college. So um, it's a, it's amazing the power of uh, of us individually, specifically and strategically placed along your journey. Well, again, it just speaks to your character and your discipline and your motivation and your willingness to hold yourself accountable to very high standards and expectations. Right. Um, I mean, that's that's what that tells me. And, and, and it tells me that, you know, you will be successful, whatever you choose to do in your life. Right. Just for that reason. You've, you've proven it now multiple times. Um, so listen, let me let me shift real quickly. Um so you, 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 you came out of the, the, of the Navy in, in 2016, and as Lee highlighted in your, uh, in, in your introduction, you took several positions with the University of Southern California, first as the Director of Development for, uh, for Veteran Programs, and then as the Manager of Military and Veteran Services. What I'd really like to focus on now, Mark, is how you managed your transition from the military to, to your life after the military. What went well? What did not go well? What, looking back on, did you learn and, and what lessons learned can you share with our audience who are getting ready to go through that same kind of transition? How could you help them be as successful as they can be? Well, I will start off with what did not go well. Um, once you're in the military, you know, you, you were in the military and you're complaining all the time and, you know, this place sucks and this job sucks. But, you know, you have this really strong level of camaraderie and you're in my community, you were working with the elite every single day, right? And as much as you bitched and moaned and complained, those were your guys and that was your community and that's where you fit and that's where you excelled and you built this um, skill set over 20 years, right? And then you had this great locker room that you you were a part of. So you, I go from, a, I retired on a Friday, I was a SEAL on Friday and I was Mark on Saturday. Right. So it went from all the support. Hey, you're a team guy. You're special to, you know, eventually it's going to take five or six guys to put together that you were a seal at some point. Um, so recreating that locker room, um, I guess some good advice that you're not going to recreate the locker room ever. So, you know, don't try to go to your next place and recreate this locker room because it just doesn't exist. And then, the intensity level so much and you're into it all the time that you don't realize what you put yourself through physically and mentally. So all of a sudden you're alone with your thoughts and the traumatic brain injuries start popping up. They start manifesting because, you know, you're not keeping yourself busy on the job. And then, you know, if you, some of the internal and external wounds that you have psychologically start to manifest. So all of a sudden you, you're, in a free fall without a net because everything that you were for 20 years is gone in one day. And you are, and if you go back to the team, if you went back to the, to the regimen, you know, I realized that you're tolerated, but not welcome anymore. And that's a really, that's a really, yeah, that's a really tough place, but it's designed for you to, for to thrive without you being there. Right. So it's got to continue its mission. And, you know, there's a churn, you know, people come in and go all the time, but it's got to sustain that level of excellence. It's got to continue the mission. So when you go back, the guys are still in it and you show up and they're looking at their watches because they're happy to see you, but they got to go train and they got to get ready to deploy. So you're just kind of, 
on the outside looking in and you know it's a scary transition it's really i mean it's a scary transition um but from there i landed probably the best place i could land at a university because there's so much support right and um la strangely enough at usc is an incredibly strong um veteran population that they're really supportive of so i landed in this nest that was supportive and nurturing and it gives you time to heal and the pace is slow enough to where you can kind of figure things out and if you have problems there are research universities like hey i'm having tbi stuff like oh well go to see this guy because they specialize in tbi um and they just have all the support um but like i said earlier when you're transitioning there's a, there's somebody who's pivotal that starts that journey for you and mine was a gentleman who um just a, he's probably the best person i've ever met we're at a fundraiser for the seal foundation in new york city and walk into the venue and it's just a couple of us and i'm talking to one guy he's like oh man you need to meet bill i'm like yeah, i'll be bill so bill talks to me and he's like hey so what are you going to do next and i was like bill i have absolutely no idea and he's like how do you feel i was like I'm terrified like i don't know what i'm doing you know um you're not going to need a sniper out on wall street you know what the hell is that going to do um and you're just not going to need that for the civilian world it just doesn't work he's like but he got so angry with me he's like there's no way you're telling me that you persevered through everything you did you got your mba you know you were a seal officer and he's like how can you not know what you're doing and i was like bill i don't know what i don't know so I was like, okay, I've heard enough. So he offers to fly me out to Los Angeles to meet with him and his staff and go over my resume and just kind of figure things out. So it's Wednesday. And the first thing I asked him is, why are you doing this? You know, why are you in your position taking the time to help some kid from Ohio who doesn't know what he's doing? And he's like, that's, that's what we do for each other out here. You know, I never served. My father was in the military, but um, it's a tragedy that you, you don't know what you're doing. So we, we go out there and I thought I was going to show up, get roofied, wake up in a bathtub full of ice, missing a kidney. I was like, I knew it, you know, <laughs> but, but it was, it was just genuine. And he, um, said, Hey, you know, the industry I'm in, this is not for you. I'd be doing you a huge disservice. So why don't we, I have a meeting with the Dean at USC you want to go uh, see USC? I was like, yeah, of course. Unbeknownst to me that he was like, this kid will fit so well at USC. I'm going to pull some strings and see what we can do for this kid. So I go on campus and it's just amazing. It's, it's, uh, I fit right in. I, we take two steps out of the car and I was like, oh man, this would be a great place to work. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. We did the tour. He gives me a call two weeks later and said, hey, everything that we talked about two weeks ago, forget it. I got you four interviews at USC. And I was like, um, okay, what am I interviewing for? He's like, I don't worry about it. Just don't suck. And he hung up the phone. <laughs> so, so I go out and I get a, I get a suit that fits awful, right? Because I never worn a suit before. And I get a tie that has USC colors, right? And I just show up in the development office, still not knowing what I'm interviewing for. 
And uh, and you like Al, doing that, putting yourself in these situations just, with no preparation. No, huh? I don't. You, I mean, you thrive learned, on this, man. No, I learned from before. Like, don't ever do that again, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, I meet this guy who's like, ah, well, just throw you back in there and see how you do. So I got four interviews. I got three job offers, and uh, I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm I'm going to USC because I was trying to not get hired, right? Because my family's in Virginia and I was just, I was going to apply for the FBI. So I was like, I'm going to try to not get hired. So he uh, calls me back in his office and it's like, Hey, you know, what's it going to take to get you at USC? And, you know, my gears are turned. I was like, Holy shit, this is a job offer. I have no idea, but I want, I don't want to get hired here. So I throw out a number that I think is astronomical. Right. And I'm like 150,000. He's like, okay, yeah, no problem. (laughs) Shit. I was like, okay, oh, well, hey, my wife is, uh, she's got a, she's a great job back in Virginia. Gets on the phone and says, hey, I got a guy I want to hire. Do you have um, a position at USC Medical Center? And I'm just like, why did I not research what they do out here? So he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get her a job at the medical center. I was like, hey, man, I have three kids. School's out here are terrible. I don't know what I'm doing gets on the phone again it's like hey i got a guy i want to hire do you have um three scholarships floating around we got a guy we want to hire he's gonna need about a year and the guy's like yeah oh, no problem uh just <laughs> send us the kids information so i'm like well shit okay i guess this is what we're doing then so um wow. so all the stars aligned i was like well i have to take this opportunity to see what's out here and i, and I didn't know what was gonna happen but i knew something great could come up with and and it did, and I landed there, and the pace was fantastic. And like I said, I was back in a, a, a cohesive kind of team because USC it's a cult. We all know it. We all love it, you know. But it's really a great place to figure things out. And there's so many different things going on that you're constantly engaged and you're constantly figuring things out you're uncomfortable because you're learning a new industry and a new city um and it was just perfect so i got out there and i just thrived and i loved it and the first two weeks i was there i was like i need to be a part of this for this needs to be a permanent part of life right i need to be a part of this forever um so then all of a sudden i had my team and i had my mission again um and um, slowly over the course of time, I, I was there for a year and I was, thought it would kind of wear off, right? Because, you know, LA is not friendly if you're trying to break into that industry. But I was, I was at a university. I couldn't care less about the, the industry. Um, so I just, I just took the time to just thrive there. And unfortunately, you know, um, the marriage couldn't survive the damage that had done um, years prior to. So, I was like, well, what do you, what do seals do when they have adversity? They pile more stuff on, right? So I um, I was like, I'm not doing enough. So I know I'll go, I'll I'll apply for grad school, and uh, so I'm learning a new industry, learning a new city, going through a divorce, and going to grad school. So um, so finally, um, I figured I figured it out. It hurt and it was painful, but I still had that core group that I came in with. Um, I met some really significant, influential people who really just wanted 
their only mission was to make sure that I was in the best place I could be and had all the support I needed. So it started off with a couple of failures and some stumbling, but it took about three years until I was not looking over my shoulder. Not everything was a threat. You know, not everybody was a threat um, to where I could just kind of settle down and just enjoy this new transition. And then I switched jobs um, from development to serving with veterans. And that was even better. So I got to kind of recreate that locker room and then kind of help shape the next group of leaders that were um, joining the military. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't have enough work for me. They had about two days worth of work. So my boss calls me in. It's like, look, dude, we don't have enough work for you. So just go find stuff to do. So I was like, okay, well, now here's my new mission. So then I went to, um, I always wanted to work in athletics. So I met with the head coach. So I got put on his staff. And then I worked with the Center for Body Computing that did, um, you know, they were trying to figure out how elite warriors are selected and what are the pitfalls. So I'm ha- I have a, a cardiologist saying, hey, Mark, what do you think about this? I really need your advice on this. And I think I'm in a bizarre world because, you know, my background says, hey, I'm not good at this academic thing. So, you know, you shouldn't put your trust in me. But she had 100% trust in the attributes that I brought and just the perspective. Um, and then I started doing public speaking with um, Mindfulness Institute. So I was really, really just, yeah. So all of my, everything that filled my buckets as far as camaraderie and teamwork and um, learning just different things was all just in one spot at work. And I got to go there every day. And it was just, uh, it was, it was, it was really the best thing that I could have, it's the, it's the best thing that I could have done uh, outside of, of the, of the SEAL teams for, for sure. So, you know, so listen, you're, you're, you're bringing up a couple things. I want to, I want to draw, draw out of, for our audience. Um, and, and this is kind of interesting to me as well. Um, I've had this kind of epiphany during a couple of our episodes, you know, and, and what I want to share with the audience is that, hey, look, there are, there are, whether it's a, a corporation, a company, an organization, now an educational institution, I didn't realize that there were these kind of veteran friendly communities out there especially in the, in an educational type institution but I'm hearing about this a little bit more and more as I start to get a little bit more uh, do more research and 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 so on and so forth so hey my point here is you know we've take we've been very um focused on on presenting guests who have experience in corporate America and federal contracting and so on and so forth so look the bottom line is and you've heard Lee and I talk about this uh, uh, ad infinitum is it, it do what you're, pa- if you can afford to do what you are most passionate about. Right. And so if something like what Mark is describing here really appeals to you and, and, and kind of hits your, your personal purpose in life, where maybe you could go into an educational environment and maybe help with a veteran, you know, help the veteran community there get their education and, and create that, that kind of camaraderie that you had in the military, there are, it sounds like there are a number of opportunities for folks out there throughout the country. I say, just do a little bit of research and, 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 uh, and find them and maybe seek it out. I think that's such a phenomenal opportunity that I, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. Right. I didn't even know that existed 
when I was uh, when I was getting out of the military. I, I had a very kind of myopic view of, well, I'm in the D.C. area. Um, I've served, you know, for 27 plus years in the in, in the military. I'm going to go into federal contracting, you know, um, and there was and, and listen, I, I loved what I did and, and, and I got great experience and developed through, through all that. But there's a there's a whole nother world out there I didn't even know about. Right. And, and mm-hmm. good for you, Mark, to have. First of all, I think the first thing is recognizing it once again, that, hey, you were humble enough and vulnerable enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing. I might need some help. And had you not done that, you would not have had that conversation with that gentleman who then invested in you and flew you out to L.A. and opened this whole world up for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so many of us try to just kind of power way through things. And and sometimes the best thing to do is just say, OK, hey, listen, man, you know, I've been really successful in my military career for however long it was. But and and I can really this really resonates with me, Mark, because I had a very similar experience is when I went into the corporate world, I literally said exactly the same thing. I do not know what I am doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am bringing absolutely no value to the company that hired me. And it's frustrating the hell out of me. They're paying me a lot of money and I'm not giving them any return on their investment. And thankfully, when I communicated that to to my boss, <laughs> to to Bob Morgan and Rob Franklin, the two co-owners of the company, they said, hey, we're going to help you. And they brought someone in and, and he helped me. And you did exactly the same thing. And so this is not a sign of weakness, folks, right? To add, If you are struggling with something, whatever it may be, it is not a sign of weakness. It, to me, it's a sign of strength to say, I need some help and, and ask for it and seek it. And, and, and I guarantee you over time, somebody will answer that call and, and help you. And so, so good for you, Mark, right? You, you were smart enough and humble enough and vulnerable enough to, 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 to recognize that you needed some help, ask for it, and look what happened. And it opened up a whole other world for you. So good for you, man. Yeah, and how the thing I noticed was once you ask for that help and it's known that you need help, there are so many people who are just like, what can I do? I got a guy. I can't help you, but I got a guy. Right. Or And that was just um, throughout everything I've done, it's really just been, I need help with this. And like the gentleman who flew me out, he he'd said, he's like, Mark. I've made this offer for the last several years. You were the only one who's ever taken me up on it. Unbelievable. Oh, that that's criminal. But I mean, it was, he, I mean, he opened up his staff. It's an international company and he, I mean, top level staff was like, sit with this guy. Let's figure this out. Let's help him out. And, um, and that's what, that's what happened. I got the best job I've, I feel like I've ever had. Um, and it's, you know, I found out through development, you, you work through other universities and there are tons of, you univer- almost every university has a veterans program and it's uh, very highly funded and, uh, people are willing to help, you know, it helps all over the place. And they're so eager to help that you kind of have to push some people away. It's like, Hey, like I got it, but, but thank you. But then all of a sudden your Rolodex is, that's an old term, you know, your, um, your list of contacts is so vast that when a student would come in and say, Hey, I need some help. It's like, well, Hey, I got a guy 
who'd be more than happy to help. And then that just kind of starts a snowball effect where these young veterans who are transitioning themselves and all transitions are, are challenging. Um, so they transition from the military to university. That's, that's a pretty challenging uh, endeavor as well. And then at a top 20 university, um, it's not easy and their transitions are hard, but for me to kind of be the hub at USC for that short amount of time that really helped those young veterans and their families um, find what they were passionate about and what they were good at and say, Hey, you're what you did in the military may not exactly translate, but the list of attributes that you do have directly translates. So let's figure out how to, you know, reinvent that or, or just, um, put it in a different language. It says the same thing. It didn't have as many acronyms, but you know, the leadership part of it, the perseverance, hell, just being on time to everything, <laughs> you know, that, that goes such a long way. And, you know, they had to kick me out of work because in the military, you know, it's zero seven to 1600, which is a farce, you know, um, sometimes you're staying around just because the boss is staying around. Um, but then at 401, someone would knock on my door and it's like, that's why I gave you a computer. Get out of here. And I was like, okay, all right. I, I guess I'm leaving. Like they would lock the doors so you can <laughs> stay at work. <laughs> you know, Mark, I'll, I'll tell you, I learned a couple of things from listening to you. Uh, one is that if I'm ever in a professional bind, I need to go apply at USC for a job because it sounds like they're going to give you whatever you want out there. No, I'm joking, of course, but that, that's amazing <laughs> that, that USC took care of you like that. Um, the second thing I wanted to bring up, and, and it's, you know, we've done a lot of these shows um, and we're starting to see now congruent things from all the guests. And one of the ones that I got, I want to bring this up again. And for our, our listening audience, you've heard me bring this up and I'm going to keep bringing it up. All right. It's this lingering question of those that served when they uh, retire. What do you do when you leave the greatest team on the planet? What happens? Right. And you, you were bringing that up right? The military mm -hmm. is the greatest team on the planet. When we talk about mental fitness and the stigma surrounding mental health, this is a question that, that Howie and I are pretty determined to answer, or at least to explore for the people that are transitioning, because mm -hmm. it is that stigma of mental health, which is why we don't have an answer for that question. You cannot go from the military into the real world without dealing with some sort of mental hurdles right? You're going mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. best team in the world to not. And what I'm finding from listening to everybody, because this is very educational for me, is that everyone's leaving the best team on the planet. And then you're trained to kind of be quiet about it, right? To not look yeah. for help in some cases, when the truth is there mm -hmm. are literally thousands of people walking around looking for a team. Um, mm -hmm. And you found that, right? And one of the things and we're going to talk about this a little later in the episode, when we get to the mental fitness stuff, but one of the things that amazes me about you is that every turn in your life, whether it was a major injury ending your football career, working at Blockbuster, flunking out of college, something inside of you turned on that kept you moving forward. Uh, I find that amazing, all right? Because not everybody has that, right? And mm -hmm. it's stories like yours that will inspire people to say, I can get up and move forward. Again, we will get to that a little later in the episode, but I just always ask that question, especially for those of you that are still in the military, you're going to be leaving the best team on the planet. You have to take some time to prepare for that 
And you have mm-hmm. to take some time to know that, and we've said this is this is true, not just of military life. Uh, it is never the job you're doing, it's who you're doing it with. Right. right? You have to search. Mm-hmm. You should be searching for teams when you leave the military, not the right job. Um, right. I can tell you a lot of people that, like, like, I used to work at the NHL, right? I'm a hockey guy. That's the, the cream of the crop. It's the right job. I was miserable because the people I worked with were, were miserable. Didn't matter what yeah. I was doing. Um, right. So again, just some thoughts from me there, but I, I, I think it's amazing that uh, USC took you in the way that they did. Um, mm-hmm. they clearly saw the value of the, the way they were doing it. Again, you talked a little bit about what you did with veterans and their families in the USC community. Um, could you just exp- expand on that a little bit more? You did touch on it there a few minutes ago that you were helping veterans at the university, but tell us more about what yeah. your job was when you were there specifically. So it was, it was taking a program from scratch. So they had all of the financial backing and they had all the infrastructure, but they didn't have um, somebody with military expertise who could articulate that in a right. good way. Um, or they were at such a high level that they could not reach the, the deck plates, as we call it, um, in, in the Navy. They couldn't reach the, the people that they needed to reach. Right. So um, it really was just on personality alone. I'm, I'm 90% I'm always almost smiling or almost laughing, right? So um, so when I would interact with people, they were just like, we need to get him involved with veterans. And I was struggling myself, right? So with the TBI and PTS that, you know, PTS manifests in different ways for different communities, but, you know, it's, it's going to hit you at some point, right? So what... I realized is that, hey, we're focusing on the veteran. There's a there's an entire family that's going through this. It's not just the veteran, right? The wife's going through it. The kids are going through it. Like they might have to leave the school that they've known for, or the, even the lifestyle. Even though it's it's challenging, and dad's gone a lot, and mom's got to take up a lot of the slack. That is their normal, right? So not only was I focus on the veteran, I said, hey, Al, we're only focusing on the individual, right? We need to focus on the the entire family unit or the team that's going through this transition piece. So that's what I focused on. I was like, so what are we doing for the wives and the kids? And like, I don't know. So I reached out to Syracuse. I reached out to, um, strangely enough, a lot of the Ivies were uh, were ahead of of, UCLA and just a lot of big schools that you would not think are veteran friendly. And I just reached out and said, okay, I need to reach out and build a program that you have that's similar. I need to take the best parts of it. So I researched for about a year and I decided I listed 10 things that um, very family specific. Um, are we going to get the wife a job? We're going to get the kids in the good school that they're going to thrive in. Um, are we going to have the dad or the, the veteran in the right career field or um, education specialty? But then at that point, hey, we, we, he's made the transition to the university, right? You guys are focusing on where he is right now. I need to focus on where he's going. Right. Totally. Because you're, you're retired from the military. If you want to go or not, eventually you have to go, right? You're going to you eventually have to graduate. So then what? They're going to go through another transition. So we need to prep them and the family for, hey, you're going through this transition, but 
hey, guess what? Another one's on its way in three or four to six years, but it's going to happen. Right. So let's get let's get networking involved. And that's when I realized how vast the network USC has. So um, let's not only include the veteran, but let's include the entire unit because they move and they thrive and they crash um, right. or don't succeed as that unit. So that was my focus because it was because that's what I was going through, right? Right. Um, and then when you ask around, it's like, yeah, I'm, my family's not doing well either and my kids are struggling. So I, I didn't want anybody else to go through that level of suffering's a long word. Oh no, it's, no it's, it, it, it can be suffering. It's strife. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, look, a little bit on my background, uh, Mark, is, you know, I, I was a spouse to my wife, right? My wife was in the Air Force for several years. And, mm-hmm. um, look, the transition out, we were only in for a few years and the transition wasn't easy. You go full career. Uh, this yeah. does affect the full family unit, as you said. The, the other thing, too, is this look, we talk about teams, right? The best team on the planet. Well, there's teams within teams within teams. The family unit is right. a team. Right. They mm-hmm. have to be a team to, to survive the military. Um, so, again, yeah, you're right. When 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 you leave the military, it's not just the veteran. It's the whole family that's dealing with it. And depending on how old the kids are. So I applaud you heavily. I'm not I'm not kidding. I mean, um, as a spouse. Right. To know there are people out there that are working with families to transition. Right. That is a, a major piece of the puzzle. In fact, th- those programs need to go f- far beyond just the university system. Because we do not do enough for the veteran family to help them transition to the civilian world, which is drastically different from the military world. I can tell you this, just for the listeners, and again, the the military listeners are going to understand this. uh, Civilian ones might not. The safest I've ever felt in my life, and I mean this, this is the most comfortable I've ever been, was living on an Air Force base overseas. It was the safest I have ever felt in my entire life in a foreign country uh, because that base was a complete community, a complete family, and a complete team. It's the only, I grew up in Philadelphia to this day. That's the only place I felt like I could leave my doors unlocked and it would be okay. Right. Um, and, yeah. and again, to recreate that outside of the military is insanely hard, but it's possible because of people like you, because of creating the communities that you're trying to create. So I think that that's awesome that, that that's what you were doing. And I, and, and again, it spawned from what you said. I didn't want anyone to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phenomenal. Cause it sucked. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Transition was, was, and I was in a, I mean, I was in a great spot, but I, I mean, it takes years to transition. Totally. Even yeah. if you've only been in for four years. Yeah. And people, people, I shouldn't say people, you can prepare for that to a point. I think, uh, and again, you might be the lone exception of unpreparedness leading to success. Right? <laughs> but, but my point is, is that, you know, we, we, as military families, we don't prepare hardly at all. We just, like you said, it's a snap of the fingers, a, a Friday mm-hmm. to a Monday. Um, and it's something that, again, Howie and I are pretty, pretty committed that, that not only do families and veterans need to prepare, but there need to be better programs and better support systems. Some exist already to prepare veterans a year, two years out for that transition. It doesn't have to be so jarring. And then I'm not going to dive into this deeply, but when you look at veteran suicide, this is an obvious uh, place to start attacking that. Um, so I just think that that's amazing work that you did at USC. Um, I got to move on to the next question just to keep the okay. episode going. But, but uh, hey, I, I, hey, I, I if you it. don't mind, yeah. I, I actually want to just jump in real quick. Um, what you just said is really important, but it, it's it, I, I'm going to put the burden on the veteran, though, right? Or the sure. person transitioning. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family 
to start planning and preparing for that transition at least one year out. And I actually recommend two years out. If you even think that you're going to get out of the military, and again, I don't care whether it's four years, 10 years, 14 years, 24 years, 34 years. But when if, if that thought is even coming to your mind, you owe it to yourself and you owe it as, as definitely to your family to start planning and preparing and, and um, uh, you know, for that transition, both mentally and emotionally and physically, right? Now, there are programs that the military offers that'll help you through that process. I will tell you, they could be effective to a point. Um, depending on the installation you're a part of, because every one of them is kind of independent of the others. But there are there are a number of organizations out there, veteran service organizations that I think are doing right. And, it, and it's our goal to, to, to find them, to vet them and present them to you in these podcasts as well. But the, my point here is, it's your responsibility, not their responsibility, and not the military's responsibility. It's your responsibility to start planning and preparing at least a year, preferably two years out. Because if you don't, you know, thankfully it worked out for 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 Mark. You know, um, it doesn't always work out that well for for a lot of people. And and listen, if you think about it, in the military, we're taught to to develop and execute a plan, right? And then not only do we develop the plan, but we d develop corollaries and contingencies. What if this goes wrong, we're gonna do this. And what if that goes wrong, we're gonna do this. Um, and we do a really good job of doing it operationally for a military operational plan. And we do a shitty job of doing it for our personal lives. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I can pass one key piece of advice on uh, to you right now is develop, start developing your plan two years out and, and keep working towards how to update and, and upgrade that plan. And I'm not telling you it's going to make a completely successful transition, but I think it'll help you make a more effective transition. Okay. So with that, I'm sorry, Lee, I just want to get no, that and, uh, you know, turn it back Howie, over to you. I'll add on to that from my point of view too. I already talked about the military being the best team on the planet. The other thing that the military does so well is it teaches you to make the uncomfortable comfortable. So you yeah. have the tools already to succeed, all right? But if I may, for those comic book fans out there, going from military life to civilian life is like bizarro world, all right? In the military, you have the mission, you have the team. When you switch to the civilian world, the mission becomes the bottom line, which is money. And most people have never been on a good team in their lives. So you're going from the best team with the best mission yeah, to, no to, to only thinking about the bottom line with people who aren't used to working with each other and will argue over trivial things that don't matter. <laughs> that's what you're walking into, right? So that's why I say, one, make sure you're looking for a team wherever you work. Find the team, ask questions. What kind of team do you have here? Two, know that in the civilian world, uh, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but the mission is not the same as it is in the military. The mission is to make money probably wherever you're going. All right, at the end of the day, it comes down to the bottom line. It's not a horrible mission. It's just how are, we, how are they executing that mission? How are they taking care of their people? But you have to understand that. And how we, you and I have talked about this, and Mark, I'm sure you've experienced this too, where military members that retire are so about the team, sometimes they don't realize that. It's about the bottom line. And they end up sacrificing more of themselves than they probably should in the mission of building the team, which again, it's totally noble, but you have to understand uh, the landscape. And then the last thing, again, um, we have a major lack of leadership in the civilian world in this country. And we have an astounding lack of teamwork, astounding. People have forgotten how to work together. 
right? Um, as a retired military veteran, there's a military veteran, same thing. Uh, you can be a shining beacon on a hill for that teamwork side of things. All right. I have always revered the military. I've always enjoyed working with military people, having even not served in an official capacity myself. All right. Because you are the best team on the planet. So you provide, we talk about this a lot, Howie, you provide something insanely needed, something insanely special and something that can make insane results when you leave the military, but you have to find the right place to apply them. That's going to believe in you. And both of you um, have found places that have done that. And, I, and, I, and that gives me hope, believe it or not, as, an, as a civilian, all right? Because there's a lot of things going on right now. Anyway, Mark, I do have another question, but I do want to give you a chance. Okay. Howie and I just spoke for 10 minutes. So if you have no, anything no. you want to respond to those. Okay. No, no, it's just, it's, you know, you know, do it in phases, you know. Where do you want to live? That's a big one, right? right? And then what do you want to do? Okay, I mean, it's, now that I look back at it, it's easy. What are the big five? What are your big five or your big three? Where do I want to live? What do I want to do? Who do I want to do it with? Okay. And then start putting that plan together. And then as Howie said, what's your secondary? What's your tertiary? What's your, what are your backup plans? Right. And then just kind of build your shell over that two years. So you're not panicking. Um, and, and the people who are transitioning or who are listening, you know, the military's job is to complete the military mission. It is not to transition you to succeed outside. So it's incumbent upon you to um, manage your own career and manage your own retirement or your separation and, um, and thrive. But, you know, take the time. It's important. It's probably more, it's more important than the decision you made to join the military as to what you're going to do uh, afterwards. Because most likely you went in the military as a single person and now you're coming out with, family or mental health stuff and you know all that stuff's coming with you so um plan plan accordingly because um once you're out it's that safety net that you have that is the military it, it goes away and not because it means to that's just how it's designed like i said it's designed to thrive without you Mark, I want to ask you this, right? I want to use that metaphor of the safety net because I think it's a really good one. I think that when we're talking about mental fitness, it's like, okay, I got to tough through this and jump, right? And I think the truth is, is if you prepare, there is a safety net that can be found, but you have to do the research to look it up uh, and you have to break through. And again, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. You have to break through the stigma a little bit of, I don't need help. I can handle this. You are going to need help transitioning from the military. All right. We have not interviewed or met anyone that, that transitioned and was like, it was awesome. Everything worked out perfectly from day one. <laughs> we're not going to interview anybody like that because it, it, honestly, anytime you're switching jobs in general, it's not that simple, right? It doesn't even have to be the military. But um, I think, and again, look, I was never a SEAL or Army Ranger, Howie, but I imagine before you jump out of an airplane, you have a plan. All right. You don't just get on the plane, don't know where you're going and then jump. Right. So I, I would equate the metaphor here is you're getting on a plane. You're going to jump out of the plane. You, you want to know where you're going, where you're jumping and where the proverbial safety net is. You want to, you want to make sure you have a parachute on, too. Yeah, right? yeah that's that's what I'm trying to say. Right. We could use these metaphors all day. But yeah, when, when you jump out, you want to make sure you have the parachute. There is a safety net. That safety net is other veterans who have transitioned. But you have to prepare to find them. Right. Uh, is, is everything I'm saying fair? Again, I'm kind of speaking from a civilian point of view, but I imagine you have to prepare someone. Yeah. And you have to know where to look and you have to 
you know, you have to drop that. I can do it all on my own because right. look at your military career. You didn't do anything on your own. Zero was done on your own. Absolutely. So you're not going to all of a sudden, you know, be a part of a team and be a part of a unit or an organization who stresses teamwork and you don't do anything alone to, Hey, I'm going to go do this by myself now. Right. No, it's, it's that's, that is that goes against everything that made you who you are to this point. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, and you have your family now, most likely, like you said, um, look, this is all I'll, I'll say, and then we'll move on is statistically speaking in front of people we've interviewed. Um, and I am not trying to speak um, beyond my experience here, but what I'm thinking I've noticed is that anyone who tries to do this on their own, I'm using quotations, um, it is their family that ends up suffering. Uh, the veteran ends up suffering and it can lead to some very, very dark places. Um, the people that seek out help, the people that find the help or the people that, that are, are given the help, right. By other people that, that recognize something um, have a, have an infinitely higher chance of succeeding. So again, that's, that's the stigma behind this. It's not even just limited to the military, right. Of just the, I don't need help stigma. Um, mm. We're talking about teams. No one, you said it about the military. It's true. No one succeeds on their own. No one. <laughs> we all have help right. along the way. All right. Um, so speaking of that, let's, let's keep moving here. Cause we, we can stay on this. We're going to come back to it towards the end of the episode anyway. So um, after you departed USC, uh, you were self-employed for about a year. Uh, I believe that was mm-hmm. year 2020. Very interesting year. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell, tell us yeah. what you did, how you started your own business. And what did you learn from that experience? Um, I learned that COVID sucks. Um, <laughs> so I, I left USC in January right? oh, yeah. and then, um, yeah, two months. Yeah. Yeah. Two months. So yeah. what I initially wanted to do was I still wanted to stay, stay connected to, to the university. Um, and I built a proposal that I was working with my friend Glenn and I wanted to kind of be a life coach to these athletes because they don't have, because they're doing transitions as well. And they have this huge dream of being in the NFL. Right. And like anything elite, very few people make it. And they, if, if they make it, they don't stay very long. And um, these kids usually come from socioeconomically challenged backgrounds. Um, and if they're at that level, somebody's always trying to kind of chip away at, at your value as at your most valuable, which is when you come out of college um, and if you make it. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to get a group of five athletes who I could use my um, uh, my MBA and my life experience and just financially life coach those guys. Um, and I realized I could, do, I could do it like five at a time, um, but I wanted to in the course of five years, I wanted them to fire me which was, um, and I learned this in, in when I was a sniper school instructor, that um, the goal was to get those guys from fledgling to soaring, right? Um, but that takes time and it takes time and compassion and caring to get, to earn those, those kids' trust. So what I wanted to do, the, pro- the proposal was to get five guys, coach them up, on, hey, you're, you're most likely not going to play in the NFL. That's a reality. Um, but you are going to be a professional at something. So don't squander this time you have. And over the course of a couple of years, I want them to 
because I think the NFL career is like three and a half years. So over the course of three and a half years, I want to coach them up, uh, have safeties and and place financially to where they wouldn't get swindled. Um, And then I want them to say, come up to me one day with their light switch came on, their aha moment. They're like, hey, Mark, I got it. You're, You're now fired. Which is what, which is the goal is like, I don't want you to rely on me for the rest of your life. You have six, 50 years of life left after college, right? So I want you to be able to thrive on the three years that I have to manage you or coach you. And the only price you'd have is to bring me to bring me a client when you leave. And that was the proposal. And then I was going to work with, I mean, I had the contacts at USC, but then all of a sudden everything shut down. So it was a very short lived dream. Um, um, but it, it really taught me that um, the it's okay to care about the next generation coming up. And it's okay to show your level of vulnerability and how you struggle. And, but there is life after whatever you're transitioning from. And it could be 10 times better than what you're doing right now, which is what I learned. I thought that I would never have a job as cool as the SEAL job. And it wasn't as cool, but it was as fulfilling, right? And I just wanted to, since you had this giant pool of athletes who are going to be transitioning and going through the same thing I went through, because a lot of these kids are doing the same thing for since two years old, you know, honing the skill to hopefully make it to the Olympics or to the professional. And 95% of them don't make it. And they're going to be a professional at something else. And they're going to need to um, take that very finite amount of time that you have where you have access to these people who want to help. You have access to people who are willing to listen to an idea because you catch footballs on Saturday, right? Um, and when you get to the real world, those opportunities go away quickly. And you're, you're, now you're grinding and now you're a professional something else. And you've squandered all that time that you only because, not because you don't want to do it. It's just because you didn't have somebody who took the time cared about you and um, wanted you to succeed on your own and somebody didn't want a piece of. The only thing I wanted those kids to do was succeed and that's it. And um, I came up with the idea because the football team let me work out in the facility with those with those athletes every day for like two and a half years. So I really got to know them. And I was like, I can do for these young men and women what Bill did for me when I was scared and transitioning in New York city. And what a fascinating concept, uh, Mark. And so I realized the timing of it might not have been right because of the pandemic. And, but the concept is sounds to me like it's spot on any, any thought about doing it at some point in the future. I mean, I think it's a phenomenal concept. It's a purposeful concept. Um, it's something you're absolutely passionate about. Uh, are you thinking about trying to recreate that at some point later in your life? Well, um, so I'm going back to uh, Southern California in a couple of weeks. I'm doing a speaking event um, over there. And I maintain a relationship with a couple of people who are, would be kind of my partners in this whole thing. Um, and the football coach is still there. So I still have an end. And I can just revisit it with them. And, and now that things are getting back to normal, uh, possibly revisit it, you know, or at least hand off the the structure of it to somebody who can run with it with the same I, level of passion. Yeah, I, I mean, I I I absolutely love the concept, and and um, 
but I think you need to be involved in it, man. You know, I mean, this is your passion. It's your idea. Um, and maybe other people are helping you execute, but I still, my recommendation is you still, maybe you run it and, and you kind of, you know, supervise it. Maybe have other people kind of execution arms for you, but, uh, I'll tell you, man, that's, that's a, I love the concept you just presented. And I, I, I know you'll be successful at it. More importantly, just think of, think of the impact you'd have on so many of these young men, you know, and their families, right? Mm -hmm. That would be freaking huge, man. So good yeah, for and you. It, and, it, and it doesn't take a, I mean, maybe it's just because it's what I'm passionate about. It just doesn't take a lot of effort to help somebody and, I mean, if I keep all this knowledge to myself, then it's useless, right? right. Why don't I take somebody who exactly. is already has the discipline, they already have the work ethic, they already have, you know, a vision or something they want to do that they're thriving for, and they already have those attributes, like I said earlier. Um, so just refine those, point them in the right direction, and just let them do what they do best, which is perform. Cool. You know, so... Um, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can uh, start that up again. Well, Hey, listen, I don't think I'm there's a maybe. You. I just think it's a question of when, right? Yeah. Yeah. The dream yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, I'll tell you this, it, the dream for that doesn't have to die. And, and I'm involved in that line of work too. And I'll, I'll tell you this, the world needs more people like you and uh, look athletics and the military share a lot of the same words. They have different meanings, mm -hmm. but we share a lot of the same words, sacrifice, uh, accountability, and I'll tell you this, that what you just said is, you know, maybe it's a passion of mine. Maybe that's why I know not enough people know what you're talking about. Um, mm. Not enough people see athletics or the military for that, for that matter, but especially athletics as a vehicle for the growth of themselves and human beings. And look, I was an aspiring hockey star at one point. I thought that's my life. I'm going to be a hockey player. And like when you're 17, 22, anywhere in that, even if 25, um, you can't think about anything else. That's your life. And right. Then, you know, yeah. You know, uh, I was I was called the backup plan when we're at that age, but uh, you don't realize the skill sets as an athlete that you are now better prepared for the real world, whether you play till you're 40. OK, there's one NFL player that's going to do it past 45, but whether you do it until you're 40 or 45, at some point you're going to stop. Right. Mm -hmm. all, we always yeah. joke all roads lead to adult league. That's what we always say in hockey. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, the beer league. All roads, hey, you're all out drinking beer in the park league. a lot, man. Yeah. The, the thing and, is though, and cooking is, brats, right? Right. right. <laughs> Applying what you've learned. You know, I'll use this. Harvesting the skill sets you've learned to become an athlete and applying them to the real world. And you can say the same thing about the military, mm -hmm. right? Some people it clicks with. It's not a surprise to me that it clicks with you when I heard your life history here about something always seemed to snap for you, Right. A lot of yeah. athletes, a lot of military uh, men and women, it doesn't click for them for whatever reason. They need people like you to 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 escort them to that next place of their life. So I'll tell you this: that, you know, yeah, COVID. Sucked. You know what I realized? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go yeah. ahead. I realized that so much growth stops when those kids join the military because somebody's you're to do this. Here's when you're going to be here. It's all very know structured right and then the athletes are the same thing so they're stuck at 18 yep. to 22 for so long right you know that they just need it's like hey there's there's more to this and you're not going to really the gentleman who got me my job you know he's exceptionally 
you know, wealthy. So he would put me in front of his billionaire buddies and said, okay, Mark, go flounder, go screw this up. I'll watch you and I'll coach you up. And that was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. However, you learn, it's like, okay, these are the rules now, right? These are the rules with these, this group of people who I'm trying to influence. And here's what you say. Here's what you don't say. Here's how you dress. Here's how you speak. And you just have to like get uncomfortable with your new environment. And it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to be that extreme, but you know, you just learn a lot and you just have, you have to break through a lot of different paradigms when you are forced to grow. And the one thing I, I really disliked about the military is they, there's, and especially in some specialties, there's no forced growth, right? And when you get out, you're 36 year old and an 18 year old's mindset. Right. And I point. really, I, yeah, I really want to have guys not figure it out when they're 40, right? It's like, right. hey, it's let's get them point. to figure it out mid 20s where they still have time to, you still have time to mess it up. And, right. and not effective. If you're 40 figuring it out, you're just like, oof, who's going to hire me at 42 or right. 45? Well, you, know, you know, I do. I, I, I'll tell you this, man. First off, you know, it's funny. This is kind of weird. I, I host another show on this channel called Win with another Army Ranger all about sports and uh, mental fitness and sport, which we'll have to have you on. That's a self-promotion, right? I was going to say, Mark's bucking for a, another episode right, right, on a different right. channel, man. <laughs> different Ranger, same co-host. No, but um, th this is one thing I'll tell you is that um, I remember the day. I remember the moment that I realized I could apply everything I did in athletics. And again, you can use this in the military too, to other things. And it was a major awakening moment for me. I used to think I had to play hockey. Hockey is who I am. It's how I defined myself for a long time. That was a mistake. It was never the game, right? That was just who I was, mm -hmm. right? But when I started realizing, hey, I could apply this skill to business, this skill to speaking, this skill to my family, uh, it opened up the whole world to me. Suddenly, it wasn't just about the game. And I think when it comes to the military and athletics, um, if you're, especially if you're at a high level, you don't realize you, these skill sets you have, you can apply to so many things. I, mm -hmm. I was, I have a yep. friend and then I'll jump off this, but I have a young friend, right. And, and he plays hockey and he is really good at getting the puck out of the corners and the corners are a gritty place to be. It's tough. You got to physically push through it again, military. You can understand that. And he was going through a really rough patch of his life. And I said, man, what do you do when you're in the corner in a game? And he goes, well, I just, I push through, I do this and get out. And I just went, yeah. And he, he actually looked at me, he goes, Hey Lee, fuck you. Right. Because, and then he, figured, he's like, cause it clicked for him. It clicked for him in that moment. He's like, God damn. And he, and he did, he got himself out of it. But th this is my point is that it, it's yeah. right there. It's right there. It's just, it was a joke that like coaches are the worst at following their own advice. I'm sure it's military people are the same, but it's probably the same in some way you have the skill sets to, to achieve and to overcome you know, but you have to know you have them and you can apply them to other things. So mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to go off on a tangent there. Um, I just, I wanted to share that advice because I think it's, I think so many people don't realize you have an incredible skill set, but you have to say, okay, it's not the military, it's not sports, but I can apply it to this situation because it's very similar in terms of mentality. Anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. we, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, I think there's one saying that comes to mind that, that I got introduced many years ago and, it, and I repeat it constantly. In fact, I was just talking with my son about it the other day and, and he, he fell in love with it. It's when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, right? 
Um, sometimes you just have to, you, those lessons are all around you, but you're not prepared or open to learn them. Right. And then at some point in time, something changes and you become open to it. And then the lesson, the lesson clicks for you, right? Um, it's happened to me multiple times throughout my career. You guys are describing it right now. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you can start driving, you know, opportunities down someone's throat, but if they're not ready to receive them, it's not going to go anywhere. And sometimes it just ha- it t- they just have to be ready to and open to receiving it, and they will. But, hey, listen, it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to still influence it, right, and right. help them. It just We just have to know that at some point, um, when they're ready for it, the, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear and and it'll click. And when it does, it's magic, you know. And- Howie, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this: I like that statement more. My father used to say to me, uh, "The say it's the same thing but different." He used to say, "You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink." That was his <laughs> statement. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, hey, so Mark, what I'd like to do now is, um, um, you know, uh, first of all, it's interesting to me, and we could talk about this maybe another time. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested what made you, what, why you chose to leave um, USC. But what I'd really like to focus on now, because I, I think so highly of, of the company you're working with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in March of, of this year, you took a position as a senior security analyst with Dominion Energy. And, uh, you know, and, and I met you through, um, uh, you know, through a few folks. One of them was Matt Kellum. Yeah. We actually, uh, we actually uh, uh, had met on, on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. And at some point in the near future, his episode will, will be posted. But, you know, we, I learned through my research how military friendly Dominion Energy is. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to share your experiences of, of, of how it is working with Dominion Energy, like how, how you even got to the point where Dominion Energy was an opportunity for you? And how have you, ex- what has been your experience working with them? Because uh, again, they, they, they appear to me uh, to be an extremely military friendly employer. And, and I want to promote when I find companies, organizations, whatever, that are military friendly, they're actively recruiting military and they're bringing them in and assimilating them into their culture and helping them be successful because they know the value that members of the military can bring to their organization. I want to highlight and spotlight those organizations. One, so we'll drive maybe more people to them. Mm -hmm. And two, so other leadership of other organizations see, hey, these guys are doing it right. Maybe we need to think about adjusting how we're operating and and replicate what they're doing. So if you could kind of share your experiences with Dominion Energy, I would love for the audience to hear that. Yeah, so um, I've met them, strangely enough, a friend, a really great friend of mine from LA, Will, introduced me to Matt because, you know, it was um, in between jobs and I reached out to my network and, and uh, was talking to Will and he's like, hey, have you ever thought about Dominion? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, they charge me too much of my electricity. I see them every month, right? Um, but he's like, I've got a buddy who does, all he does is, or a lot of his job is military talent acquisition. And um, Will was telling me about some of the things Dominion did. I was like, wait a second, the energy company does all this stuff? And he's like, yeah, I'm only scratching the surface. Let me connect you with Matt. So um, had a Zoom call with Matt that was scheduled for 30 minutes. I think we talked like an hour and a half. And he was great. And he just... He'd been at Dominion for a while, and the average 
lifespan. People stay at Dominion for like 13 years minimum. That's the average. So, um, and they're in the top 10 in veteran companies. Like, how do I not know this? They're right, literally right down the street. Um, so I talked with Matt and Matt's like, Hey, I got to introduce you to some of the big wigs here. Um, and that's just how the process started. And then they looked at my resume and they're like, okay, so you've done all this stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've had a very lucrative career. And their whole thing was like, we've got to get you on board. It's a pandemic. We're just letting our hiring freeze. We're lifting our hiring freeze, but we need to get you introduced to the right people. So I got introduced to people at, at the time. I didn't know how high up they were, but you know, they were taking the time to, to meet with me. And as I did more research, I was like, man, this is, they have a mission statement. They have core values. They didn't lay off anybody during a pandemic. Um, oh, and they just, yeah. yeah. And they, they're like, we value highly value um, uh, veterans. Um, transitioning or just veterans in general. Um, so one conversation led another, and then all of a sudden I'm talking with corporate security and, you know, guys really high up FBI background, you know, and he's like, okay, we got it. I want to direct hire you, but we don't do that, but we got to, we got to get you on board. So I went through the hiring process and, and when they brought me on board, it was just into the dominion way. And we're, we're with safety and we're back giving back to the community and they just have so many programs for not only their employees, but they're really just big in, in the community and they have a great name and great reputation and they really just take care of people in general. And, you know, I work out of Richmond. I like it so much that I commute up to Richmond every freaking day. Um, that's since an hour and 40 minutes there and sometimes three hours getting back. But, um, um, so I was interviewing and they weren't really interviewing for, for the job per se. It was for the attributes that I brought to the job. And as I was interviewing them, like, what do you miss the most? And I was like, I miss that uncomfortability of learning something new and kind of floundering, but just working to just kind of figure it out. And um, there were lots of teams that I could have joined, but the team that I did join um, really just fit in with my personality, what their mission was. They were standing up this brand new um, organization within the security field. And I was just like, I met with my director and my supervisor and my teammates. And I was like, yes, sold. And um, so I committed to the gentleman I'm working for and a couple other people said, Hey, you want to work with us? So I was like, sorry, man, I've already committed to the team I'm, I want to be on. And he's like, Hey man, I respect that. And it was the best, it was the best decision because I'm uncomfortable. Yes. But I'm learning a new industry. Uh, one corporate security, then I'm learning the energy industry, which is vast. And, you know, you don't see 99% of it. You don't see. Right. And so much goes into um, the energy industry and so much of it's good, not just good for providing power, but it's good for the community. I mean, I think 25,000 employees at Dominion and I'm coming up on six months on the first. And I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I really just love my job um, and I'm learning and I suck at something. Uh, and we have a, 
an old saying, just embrace the suck, That's you right. know, because yeah, it's just, it's going to hurt sometimes. And, uh, but that's where you learn the most. And, you know, I'm learning computer systems and behavioral analytics tools. And I'm just like, I don't know that. Um, it was just, it's been, it's been a great transition and it's taking the best of what I learned through, um, through the military and through USC. Um, so there's, it's the business. So I, you know, I have, I speak business. And a lot of it's government and policy. I have the government side and I have the policy side. So it's a great fit. So um, my boss said, hey, you have to commit to me verbally that you'll stay here for at least three years in the section that I'm in. Um, he said, because once they see you, they're going to pluck you away. <laughs> so I gave him my verbal three years. Um, but I could, I mean, I'm, I'm exceptionally happy at, at Dominion. I really am. It's, it's great. Yeah. And if I remember correctly and, and, and Lee, you know, if I'm wrong, uh, let me know, but I want to say from when we, we, we met with Matt, it, I think it's like one in five employees have a military background, right? If I remember correctly, I want to say it's like 20%. I believe that's um, what you said. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's phenomenal. I, I, mm -hmm. I am a huge fan of Dominion Energy. I'm, I'm, and I'm so glad that you got connected with them because I, like I said, I think this is just a ter terrific fit. And, uh, and by the way, um, so the will that, uh, that Mark is talking about is actually the director of our LA region for Pivotal Moments. So he actually, uh, he's a colleague of both Lee and mine, and right. we think the world of, of, of him. Yeah. And, but Mark, uh, he knows they, you. It's not so much you know him. He knows you. That's right. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's Ooh, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah we're crazy. talking he about Will Browning. Player. Yeah. yeah, we're we're talking about Will Browning, and he's he's just a phenomenal human being, just as really caring is. as as anyone could possibly be, and uh, um, I just feel so privileged to, to 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 call him a friend and colleague of yeah. mine, and uh, it's so cool that you guys got connected. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the first people I met in LA. Yeah, that, that well, you could not have met a better person than Will Browning <laughs> because know, he know. knows everybody. everybody. Man. That, he knows everybody. I mean, hell, he I saw he sent me a picture of him walking the, the Great Wall of China right behind Mike Tyson, man. You know, so <laughs> I mean, this guy is he's, he's a cool guy, a great guy, and it's really it's awesome that you guys got connected. Hey, 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 Mark, I, I'm, I'm going to look to kind of finish up our episode here because I know we got to get you out of here because um, you, you've got you've got a full time job and I don't want to hold you up too much longer. So I, I'd like to kind of transition to our, our last question. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Before we go to the last question, how you can't you can't eliminate my. Stuff. Oh, my God. It's the book <laughs> yeah, oh, so, so, yeah. No, so, that's so, right. Lee. Cool. Mark, I don't know how you forgot. We've only been doing this for two months. Uh, but hey, I'm uh, rusty, man. I'm uh, rusty. It's fair. It's fair. So, Mark, Mark, one of the things I do every episode now is uh, I listen. I listen to the guest, which is you, and I hear your stories, and I come up with uh, several potential titles of books that you could write. Ooh. All right. So, if you ever wrote All a book, right. now, now In fact, I know Mark's going to write a book. It's just a question right. of when. So, Mark, these, this is going to really. This is, he's <laughs> making your job a lot easier, man. Come these are the titles time. that sell. These are the hard hitting titles that sell. I've got two for you. All right, are you ready? Okay. All right. The first yes, one. Bring it. The first one is "How I Flunked Out to Learn to Fly" by Mark Green. There you go. That's the first one. Oh, that's good. Okay. See, okay, I, okay. I, I just wanted, then I like the next one even better. This this is the one Howie's going to want you to go with. "How to Succeed by Never Being Prepared" by Mark <laughs> Green. <laughs> 
um, uh, uh, an autobiography? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a memoir. Is it how to succeed by never being prepared? Or if you want to make oh it a memoir, how God. I succeeded by never being prepared, a memoir. By Mark Green. I, I, you know, that, I think that's the winner. I think yeah. that's the winning title right there. I had man. an alternative yeah. of who needs to prepare, but I like I like how I succeeded by never being prepared. <laughs> right. And you, here's the thing, Mark, you gotta read it to find out how. You gotta read it. You gotta pick that book that's up. Right. This guy do? And then you find out yeah, that you were prepared. That's that's your book. We're just yeah, we're just scratching the surface. So you got a guy, have your people get a hold of my people and uh, we'll <laughs> have your people talk. Listen, all roads lead back to Will Browning anyway. Will Browning, we'll give him a call. All right, nicest guy in LA. We'll make it anyway. I, that, hey, that could be that could be another way, right? Will Browning knows me. No, I did that one. Yeah, one our, Mark, one of our other guests, his title was Will Browning knows me. I don't know him. He knows me. Anyway, those are those are my uh, those are my book titles for you. Uh, you know, I take uh, okay. PayPal, yeah. PayPal, Venmo. Whenever you get the book out. What's your finder's fee on, on the, just the title? Uh, you know what? Just for you, it's going to be free this week. That's how I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> no, here, here, here's, what, here's what the fee will be. When, when you have a speaking engagement, Lee is right next to you, and you guys are out there just knocking the audience dead. That, that would go. be a, I think go. you guys would be an awesome an awesome duo up, duo up there on a, on a stage, you know, helping, helping folks. Oh, you want to talk about not being prepared. <laughs> you got a second. I got a great story for you. Go for it, man. Yeah. All right. So we were... Uh, I'm going to leave the names of the innocent. So we were um, at SEAL Team 8. They had us see Dr. Fowles learn how to public speak, right? So, um, and then they were having people at um, the Smithsonian, right? 250 people. So I went from being terrified of public speaking to um, speaking at the Smithsonian in front of 250 people. So I did not know what I was going to talk about. So guess number one goes up and he's high level, boring speaker. Um, and then a buddy of mine goes up. He does a pretty good job. Number three guy, I'm sitting next to him and his wife, right? And he goes up and he's talking about military structure and, you know, and we're talking to kids who want to be SEALs one day, right? And he's talking about, you know, org organizational charts, and she looked at me. She's like, so, honey, what are you going to talk about? I was like, ma'am, I have no idea. She's like, well, do me a favor. Don't talk about what he's talking about because it's really boring. So I was like, you know it's, what? She's talking <laughs> about her husband? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she's like, I was like, yeah, he is really boring. So then it hit me. I was like, what do I, what do I talk about? And I was like, I'm going to talk about. If I were 19 to 22 year old and I had a seal in a room, what would I talk about? And I went up on stage and I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I started telling stories on what I wish I would have known as a 19 year old kid with no direction who wanted to be a seal. And uh, there was a guy in the front seat and he's staring <laughs> at me. Right. And I'm a teen guy. I'm like, dude, you look at me in the eyes. We're getting ready to we're going to do this thing. Right. So, um, so he comes up, after, he comes up afterwards and he said, he's like, Mark, I'm sorry. I was staring at you, but you know, I've been in DC for, he was a reporter. I was like, I've been DC for 20 years hearing speech. He's like, that was the best speech I've ever heard. And I was like, man, I'm glad you told me that I was going to kick your ass. In the first seat. <laughs> Critic. 
Hey, so once again, the book title comes true. How to succeed without being prepared, right? Yeah, no, I I mean, it's, it's, uh, now you just fortified it, Mark. I'll tell you this, Mark. I'll tell you this, uh, of all the public speaking I've done, um, I do not have a script on purpose for the exact reason you just said. I might have an outline Mm -hmm. or I might have a topic, but I have never given the same speech twice because I like to have that spontaneity and that, and that organic. And, and, and what I love most of all, and I do this a lot, Mark, is I want to hear from the audience. I'd like to go Q and a for more than half of my session, if I can, because that's Mm -hmm. where the real value lies. Like, like don't get me wrong. Great speakers, which you are, are phenomenal, but the real value comes from the conversation. Right. And I get, I I guarantee you created a ton of conversations with that speech, but yeah, no, listen, uh, not knowing what you're going to talk about until you get up on stage that that's ballsy. Uh, and, and again, you can learn this skill and more by picking up the book, How I Learned to Success <laughs> by Never Being Prepared by Mark Green. Anyway. Hey, so so I'm, I'm going to give you another Lee, Lee Elias tip on how to be a successful public speaker. You know, come in, just feed your feed your audience Red Bulls and gum, right? <laughs> nice. So, okay. Uh, Mark, I was uh, I was a closing <laughs> keynote once a couple times. And I, I walk in with a plastic bag full of Red, Red Bulls and gum and I just go to the audience. I'm the last one. You need to be awake for this. Who wants a Red Bull? <laughs> I started tossing them out to the room, but, um, uh, but no, Howie, if you want to, do you want me to do the last question? Or did you want to? Oh yeah, go, go for it. Lee. Go so, for uh, it. yeah, we, we alluded this, uh, earlier, Mark, and, and, um, again, our show, our channel pivotal moments is all about strengthening mental fitness worldwide. Um, and we all struggle with our own mental fitness at times and to varying degrees. You spoke about that earlier. Uh, what we'd like to know is if you're willing to share, uh, mm-hmm. what struggles have you had with your own mental fitness or seen others struggle with, uh, you know, Tell me about what you've experienced yourself or what others have struggled and, and what do you do to manage those challenges? How do you strengthen your own mental fitness? And again, I'll go back to the very early part of the episode. One of the things you said that really sparked with me, uh, which I kind of understood was that at every uh, encounter in your life where it was, you were stuck or it seemed stuck, something snapped for you. You have an ability to snap forward. Again, I know people helped you. But you said it mm-hmm. I'm gonna rec- just to, just to show you how much it meant to me that, again, your football injury to blockbuster to buds to transitioning from the military to being at the Smithsonian, <laughs> something snaps mm-hmm. for you. You have you have something yeah. there. Right. So go ahead and dive into that. How, how you practice your own mental fitness and strength. Uh, so um, I one, I realized I was terrified of failing. And I think that's why I. I need to fail at something at least once, right? So I needed to fail at school and I needed, and, and I needed to, to be humbled in a way that you have to realize that, hey, I'm not good enough at this on my own and I, I, need, some, I need some help. And it's just having, it's gonna sound counterintuitive, the courage to let people know that you're vulnerable and that you need help. and then. And that, and it's a very finite amount of time, right? You're not, for the most part in my life, I've only been vulnerable for a very finite amount of time, but those very finite amount of times provided exponential growth, right? So then I look back and I was like, man, I was really hurting, but Bill showed up or Jonas showed up or that instructor showed up and, you know, they just like, Hey man, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be okay learn from this moment. I'm here to pick you up and just um, do me a favor and don't make the same mistake twice. So I have 
40 something years of taking my licks and realizing that I'm not good at something or I need to get better and relying on the teams around me to one sometimes give you that brutal honesty that you suck right now and you need to figure it out, but it doesn't stop there. It's like, you suck right now, you need help and I'm here to help. So then you just, you finally, you just build up this resiliency of, Hey, I've, I've been knocked down before and I just have to look around a couple people deep and there's always somebody there who's like, Hey, okay, this is outside of your expertise. This is outside of my expertise, but I know somebody. And that either like um, for when I was transitioning, you know, I was in, um, I was just having a really hard time. I wasn't good at any one thing. Right. So I was in um, uh, Home Depot one day buying blinds for my house and I'm with my daughters and I have my, my book, it's a little red book. And I had the measurements of all the, the, um, the blinds that I needed. Um, all the measurements of the windows and stuff. So Home Depot, and I'm, I'm reading my list. I have this and I'm putting it into the bucket, right? And I was there for an hour trying to solve that problem. And I couldn't do it. My daughter was, I think she was 11. And she's like, dad, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I cannot. I mean, I did it 10 times and I couldn't figure it out. So you know, I'm in the middle of this big department store and my 10 year old is like, dad, are you okay? And I was like, no, honey, I need help. Can you help daddy with this? And she did. I mean, she's super smart. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always have to come from on high or didn't have to come from somebody who's who you look up to. I mean, of course, I look up to my kids, but um, she recognized something and I'm looking at her and I'm looking around and she was the only one there to help me. And I asked her for help and she said, of course, I'm going to help you. And that, looking back, I mean, I've had that throughout my whole life, you know, and then once I realized that I was having trouble with TBI and, and some PTS stuff, um, I, you know, I, I saw some mental health specialists uh, through these wonderful nonprofits and finally I hit the right note that I found the right person that really helped me you know, deal with a lot of the issues that I was having. And, you know, I'm so much better for it. And I was able to, to thrive again. Um, but it took um, success through failures, what I call it. And, um, and that's, uh, I think that's the title of my book, actually. That, that's Learning to succeed through failure, you know, and all so where I am today is a result of just saying, Hey, I need help. And right. please help. Please not just help. Please help. Mark, I'm going to bring up something. So I'm actually going to form this in a question. So I apologize. This is actually the last question, but I think it's important. I think with you, and again, please feel free to disagree with me. And I think this is a distinctive thing about you. All right. Aside from failing your family, which is the fear of anyone, anyone should be the fear of anyone. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think that you fear failure. I think you hate failure, but I think your strength is that you actually don't fear it because fear would cripple you to the point you couldn't move. You hate to fail probably more than you like to win, but I don't think you fear it by your description. 
I think you actually embrace failure as a pathway forward. And I think, you know, and again, you can tell me if you disagree, but I think that's a major distinction um, and a simple one that a lot of people don't realize. When you fear failure, you tend not to move. You tend not to ask for help. You tend not to find solutions because you're so afraid. Um, and, and I think that especially for military veterans, that's a, that's a concept that's very foreign. But when you hate it, uh, when you passionately hate it, you take action. You've, you seem to have always taken action, even if that action was asking for help, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so again, that's my, I mean, your thoughts on that, I guess would be the question, but I, I think that's true of you. I don't think you actually fear failing as much as you hate it. And I think that you drive forward when failure is in your face. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I guess I've, I've never thought of it that way. I always thought that I hated failure. Um, but I've had this best friend for 30 years and, um, and he, he said the same thing. He's like, he, he, he's fearful of something. He's paralyzed and right. he won't do it. And he's a very successful guy. And he says, but God damn it, green, you'll, you'll be afraid of something or fear something. You'll take it all in. It's like, well, shit, the only way to go is through it. And right. I just right. pushed through it. And there's always a, an amazing reward on the other side of that fear. I, I mean, I feel it. And it, I mean, it causes me to pause, but it never stops me. Right. You know, I'll look at it and it's like, well, uh, you know, there, there are obstacles and barriers, right? A barrier you can't get through by yourself, but an obstacle, you can figure out a way to get around it. Right. You know, and I think that's what Perception. the biggest lesson I, I, I learned through BUDS was going before you, you went to BUDS, BUDS was a barrier. You know, you just couldn't get through it and you were just lucky to survive it. But when I got there, I was like, well, I'm terrified of this thing. It sucks. And it's six months of pain. But my perspective changed from when I got there from it being a, a barrier to just an obstacle. Right. You know, once I figured it out and realized that, you know, you're not going to die most likely from it. Um, and I learned quickly that, you know, when I was suffering the most, my stomach would start growling. And then I was like, Oh, well, it's almost time to eat. They feed you every four hours. So um, I was, you know, when you're suffering like anybody else, stomach started growling. I was like, oh, I only got like 15 or 20 minutes left. And it's like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's finish. Now. Yeah, um, it's an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. So it just yeah. became a series of obstacles, which I had no problem negotiating or figuring out a way to get through it. Um, never by myself. Um, but then I realized that everything was just an obstacle and not a barrier. And so by no means was I ever supposed to graduate from USC or even Naval Postgraduate or even from BUDS, right? But um, I just approached it in a different way of, no, this sucks and this is going to be hard, but um, I'm not going to let it stop me. It's just going to be an obstacle that I'll have to figure out how to conquer it or negotiate it or figure it out. Sometimes it's ugly, right? It's not, it's not always pretty, but um, that's, that's how it's always, I've always just been able to approach it as, as an obstacle that I need to, to get around so I can get past the fear and get to the goal that I'm trying to achieve. It's incredible insight, Mark. And yeah, before we close this out, Howie, I'll turn to you if there's any final thoughts. Thank you. For well, hey, time. listen, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, first of all, Thank you, Mark, for being with us. And thank you for your your complete um, 
transparency, vulnerability, um, your willingness to share lessons learned. Um, there is so much impactful information and lessons learned that you have shared with our audience today. And I, I just, I am so thankful that we had the opportunity to have you. Um, and, and I think the thing I would, uh, I'd like to end with is the fact, and we've talked about this throughout the, throughout the session, is your willingness to recognize that you may need some help with whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? It, whatever it is. Um, and your willingness to, to recognize that and to ask for help. And when you did that, invariably someone did help you and put you into an opportunity for, for a better place. And it played out very well for you. And, and that's what I want to encourage folks in our audience to do, right? Whether it's you're, you're helping with you, your transition, you know, from the military to, to life after the military, if you're dealing with some demons um, and we all do, and mm -hmm. as, as, as Lee phrased in his question, we just have varying degrees of, of the demons we're dealing with and how we respond to it. But the bottom line is we're all dealing with demons and we, we all deal with it in a little bit different way. But I absolutely agree with you. If, if you can be, if you're willing to recognize that maybe some of the demons you need a little help with in, in overcoming them and the other obstacles you face, there are people out there, there are organizations out there that will help you and want to help you. Um, and then you have an opportunity, once you overcome that obstacle, you can give back and help other people overcome their demons and obstacles, which is exactly what you're doing, Mark. You know, just the fact that you would stand up a, a business like you described earlier is your way of saying, I had some challenges, I saw some help, I got some help, and now I wanna be the, the person who helps other people overcome their obstacles. Um, I, I just hope folks, will learn from, from your experiences and learn from your transparency and learn from your vulnerability. And thank you for, for sharing all that with us because a lot of people won't share like you just shared with us. Mm. And we are all better for, for having heard, heard your experiences and your story. So thank you for, for being with us today. Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was great. I, uh, I always <clears throat> enjoy these opportunities. And, and I think when we initially um, talked, I was like, throw me an unscripted question just because it, it kind of gets, it catches you off guard and kind of, you just kind of answer um, in a way that you can't prepare for, you know, and I, th I think it's valuable just because that's life, you know, you, you can prepare for something. I think Mike Tyson said, like, you have a great plan until you get punched in the face. Right. right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, I, I had a, I have a plan, but uh, I'm willing to take the punch in the face and um, and and fight through it. And 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 I'm and I'm so happy to share my experience and hopefully it reach to somebody and hopefully it helps somebody to to reach out and get that help in you because you just need help. It's it's hard and, and transition sucks and it's hard, um, but you're not alone throughout the whole thing. And it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's, a, it's right. a, in my opinion, it's a sign of tremendous strength. And, and if we can continue to get that message out to folks, um, we'll all be better for it. So with that, Lee, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. But Mark, and thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. And uh, I, hopefully uh, 
this is a success when we can have a part two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to have you on my other podcast, Win for the Athletic <laughs> Side. And I'll tell you this, you came up with another book title there, How to Succeed by Getting Punched in the Face. I'm telling you, you're, you're on top of this. <laughs> so, uh, no, with that one, uh, Mark, thanks so much. Again, you've been listening to Life After the Military, which is powered by Pivotal Moments. And you can learn more about the organization at pivotalmoments.org. You can get more inspirational, entertainment, and educational content there. For Howie Cohen and Mark Green, I'm Lee Elias. Thanks so much for joining us. And make sure you keep an eye out for more episodes soon, wherever podcasts can be heard. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.